Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome everybody into the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm half of your host team, JT, as always, alongside Tom Sims. I guess alongside 110, 115 miles away. How's it going, Tom? It's good. I'm glad to know that I still had a job this week. I thought I might get axed from the show after my I'm Not Charging, You're Charging uh, stint, but uh, uh, I'm glad to be here, just well, just com- like uh, Cadillac Williams. Yeah, conversations were had, you know. Um, Yeah, I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh, grapevine stuff uh, on Twitter, just like (laughs) Cadillac Williams. Yeah, man. I mean, are we not ready to take the interim tag off of him? I mean, I I expect it any day. Hey, (laughs) I I tell you what, though, the the crowd enthusiasm that he's generated. It's really putting that AD in a tough spot, is it not? Yeah, there was a guy that posted on Tider Insider today, a number of people, of course. And and the hot rumor when I left work today was Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin. And I just – man, I still cannot wrap my head around why he would go there. I I know he's not guaranteed the Bama job, but if he goes to Auburn, he will never get the Bama job. And – you know, it's easy. We've, we've talked about Auburn's going to say, oh, but it, it's different, Lane. It's different. Well, I mean, you ran Tommy Turbo out of town. Oh, but Lane, you're different. Well, I mean, Gene Chizik came and won a national title in his second year, and then you ran him off two years later. Oh, but Lane, you're different. Well, then Gus Malzahn. Well, then Brian Harson. I mean, it's it's like the cheating spouse. It's, no, it's not different. It's, you're just next. <laughs> like, I don't get why he would put himself into that fire, and but I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I, I hope he doesn't. He is the only name that I don't want to go there. And, uh, guys, this is not the commentary. Really d- didn't even want to broach this subject, but we, we're going to gonna have to now. Hey, and let, and let me ask you one question here, too. And I hadn't really even thought about this, and you might could you might could lend some light on it. But I'm thinking back, and, and, and you're, you're wondering why Kiffin would go there. And, and we've, we've talked before, I have before, that I think it's very difficult or it's very unusual for quote unquote elite coaches, and I don't know that Kiffin's there, but you know upper echelon coaches. It's it's very unusual for upper echelon coaches to make lateral moves, uh, and obviously there are a few exceptions. I think. You know, it's questionable whether or not Brian Kelly made a lateral move or uh, or a. I think he made a lateral move as far as 
university, maybe even a step down as far as obviously a claim history, that sort of thing. Yeah, but he yeah. probably took a step forward with the type of player he could recruit and get on campus, Definitely. you know. So so that that's that's different. But with with that being said, think back to Auburn's hires since say Pat Dye. They always hired an up and comer, right? Am I remembering this correctly? Or an assistant? Isn't well, they, that the way this went with, trainers uh, went? They went with uh Tiny Tot. Bowden, you know, he was from Sanford, which I guess was Division Two then. Who, right. you know, he had the he had the coaching lineage of his dad, and he was an up and comer man. He was a hot shot. Heck, I guess he was he wasn't forty years old when he took that job. I don't guess. And, uh, yep. and then they went Tuberville, which Tuberville from Ole Miss. But then after that, yeah, they went um, Chiswick, then Gus Malzahn, and then uh, Potato Head. So yeah, no, nobody of note. Ole Miss has been the biggest school they have. They have hired from, which it sounds like they're trying to do again. You know, I forgot all about Tuberville. I've always associated Tuberville and his big old ears with Auburn. I forgot he was <laughs> at Ole Miss. Where was he at before Ole Miss? Was he you a know, de- defensive coordinator somewhere? I think, yeah, I believe he was with Miami on the uh, their championship teams in the late 80s. Okay, okay. And, and Ole Miss was his first coaching gig? Head can't, coach can't say for sure. You know, we might have should have done yeah. some research. We, we, it wasn't hurt to talk. Well, I, I, I said it was off the <laughs> top of my head. I just just thought about that, but you know, it it would be another. And 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 let me let me say this: since the time that Tuberville was there until now, Ole Miss is a much different football school. Oh, much yeah. much different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, even Lane Kiffin aside, I mean, when Lane Kiffin come into there, Ole Miss, I mean, they they were on the they were on the trend, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, much different. So, so I think to take this job, you're right. He excludes Bama, but he also he's making a lateral move with a lot of downside. Maybe yeah. there's some additional upside there because of what. Maybe they can buy more players than Ole Miss, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how how much more upside it could actually be. Yeah, I don't know either. But back to the original point with Cadillac and what I was going to say before we get off on the Lane Kiffin tangent is they have really put themselves in a bind on on putting Cadillac in as the interim because you knew he was going to be popular. The players love him. He has brought a lot of energy, and the rah rah the rah rah doesn't work forever and why does it I don't really know why it doesn't but it doesn't it's obvious because what other coaches do you see running around crazy like Cadillac on the sidelines you don't see any and but now that you know he took Mississippi State to OT he beat A&M which have you ever seen a team beat a three and five three and six team and and get more credence out of that than Auburn has like they beat a terrible team and yeah. Auburn, you know, I saw some Auburn fans posting, well, y'all beat a three-win team also with A&M. Yeah, we did. They had Moose Muhammad, who for some reason didn't play at Auburn. They did have their second-string quarterback, who three weeks earlier was their starting quarterback. That guy didn't play. They, they're down to the third-team quarterback, and they barely beat them at home. And, I mean, A&M is absolutely reeling from what they were when they were playing us. They still had a little bit of confidence when they played us. They didn't have A-chain. The starting running back was out. So, I mean – 
Let's t- and but, we but played if, our backup if, quarterback. If Cadillac wins this weekend, if they have not named a coach going into Iron Bowl Saturday, if if the Iron Bowl, heaven forbid, they beat us. Let's don't even venture that thought. But let's just say the the game is thirty one to twenty four, uh, thirty eight to to thirty. There's going to be a massive cry to give him the the head job, and frankly, I hope they do. Yeah, you know, it, you could look at this two different ways if you're an AD. One, you you have a tremendous amount of pressure from the fan base to hire somebody who is certainly not qualified. I'm not saying he wouldn't do a good job. He may do an excellent job, but he's not qualified to take over the head coaching job of an SEC-type program. I mean, he has zero head coaching experience. I don't even... I don't even know how long he's actually been a coordinator and all, you know, a, a you know, he's been a position coach for a while, but yeah, he's I don't not even how, been a coordinator. Oh, he's not even a coordinator. No, so he's just he been was, a position coach the whole time. Yeah, so his experience coach. is, is way less. So that's one way to look at it that you, you, you're disappointing the fan base by not hiring him. However, you could look at it another way and, and swing for the fence and, and try to get Kiffin and, Possibly, I'm guessing Hugh Freeze, those would probably be your two biggest available coaches if they made themselves available. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to pry both of them, it sounds like. I mean, Hugh Freeze just now that that's a five million dollar contract Joe Schmo will have anywhere, you know, at Liberty. I mean, that's not going to hold him tight to that school. But if you don't get a big splash hire, you can just fall back to Cadillac, and yep. everybody's happy. So yep, you either true. go big splash or have a safety net. Not and, not a bad situation. You know, a lot of the Auburn fans, they want their, their cake and eat it too. They're like, well, let's hire Kiffin or whoever we hire, but he's got to keep Cadillac on staff. Do you know how big of a disaster that would be? Because, one, Cadillac wants that job. I mean, who could blame him? You know, it would be like me and you. Uh, having a, a shot at the Bama job, of course we'd want that job. So it, so you hire Kiffin, and he keeps Cadillac on, and there's a rift in the there, – there's a potential rift in the locker room. And then as soon as it goes south, you're going to have a faction of fans be like, well, you know, hey, we got a guy in there that, that took Mississippi State to OT and then beat A&M and then beat Western Kentucky and played Bama within seven – and uh, you know we we should have given him the job. It just it it would it would be Auburn. It'd be peak Auburn if they hired Kiffin, and Kiffin kept Cadillac. I mean, to, he's got to let whoever the head coach is. If they have any sense in the world, they'll let Cadillac go. And he needs to go because if he wants to be a head coach, and I I, I think he might be a good head coach one day. He definitely relates to the players. He's got to go. Like you said, you didn't even know he had, he didn't have coordinator experience. Like you've got to go be. Be running backs coach, but an assistant head coach in, in title to where – and I don't really know what that title means. I guess you're in with a game planning more so than if you're just the running backs coach. But, you know, go cut your teeth at UAB, at uh, at Belmont University. I don't even know where all has, uh, has football. Liberty. Uh, go somewhere outside. Go to an ACC school and get some experience and then come, try to come back. But – Gosh, I'm mighty enough about uh, this. Is not I'm not tumoring your tumoring. This is I'm not I'm not targeting your targeting. <laughs> so, uh, and I guess we'll have to quickly breeze through the commentary. Uh, I entitled this first uh, 
a lost season. And I'm like, you know what? That's not fair. That all is not lost. It's more of a wasted season. And a lot of teams, there, there's a good number of teams, probably upwards of 115 teams that would gladly trade places to Alabama right now, being 8-2 and two and should be easily 9-2 and two after this weekend, 10-2, and two, wrapping up the Iron Bowl and going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Lots of teams would trade places with us. But when you're used to what we've had in the past since 08, you're just, it's, it's not satisfying. It's, a, it's just an empty feeling like, I, you know, I've already got plans for the first Saturday of December, and they don't involve football per se. And uh, But I got to thinking, you know, we, we're looking at – I heard on Feinbaum today somebody's like, well, you know, Bama could be 5-5. Five and five. Well, we could be 10-0 and 0 also. And I was thinking, you know, look, looking back at our national title – so I just went back to our national title years – because, you know, we could be we could have a big fat zero in national titles with Nick Saban and, and he would still be uber successful. But like in 09, we won the national title. We, we beat Tennessee by two points. We beat Auburn by five. And the Auburn game, if you remember, we're down well, – we won, that, we won that game 26-21. So we're down 21 to uh, 20. Because, yeah, we scored a touchdown, went for two and missed it. So we're down 21-20. We get the ball back, probably eight and a half minutes left. We, we've got a – you know, at that point, we could still punt one time. But we string together a couple of first downs. The clock gets about five minutes. I'm like, it's do or die. Like, we – and all we needed was a field goal. But there's two games right there that could have upended that season. We still would have gone to, uh, to Atlanta that year and played Florida in a meaningless ACC championship game because two lost team. That was in the BCS era. So, 9 we, what needed to happen, happened. 2011 was our na- next national title. You know, lost to LSU 9-6 to at home, had to have help, got help the ne- very next week, if I'm not mistaken, and been moved back up to two and just got lucky. Got lucky that nobody stepped, stepped forward and took that number two slot because, you know, we sit home championship weekend and watched, and then we got the number two seed and we beat LSU in New Orleans. And then 2012, we uh, we beat LSU 21-17 at LSU. Toughest game of the year. Thought for sure that they would beat us after we had beaten them in New Orleans the year before. And that was the make a man miss game when Yeldon took the screen to the house. And then the very next week, Johnny Manziel comes to Alabama and upsets us. And I think we had to have two dominoes fall that year. It seems like maybe Washington, one of the West Coast teams, had to lose and they lost the very next week, because that A&M game was late in the year. See, it would have been this past weekend because it was the weekend after LSU. And uh, so we got help there. And then, of course, the Georgia. We had to play Georgia and Atlanta, and they ran out of time. You remember they caught the ball on about the three-yard line with no timeouts, and time expired, and we went on to crush Notre Dame. And that was that's what hurt Georgia so bad is because the winner of that game knew they had a national title because Notre Dame was just a paper champion. And then on to 2015, got two more left, and then I'm done. 2015, uh, you know, we won the national title. Tennessee had a fourth-quarter lead in Tuscaloosa on us. We ended up beating them 19-14. Now, we had a little bit more wiggle room in 15 because it was in the 14 playoff. But, you know, things could have gone south. And then 2017, we we lost to Auburn, and uh, we ended up sitting out that, that year, too. We didn't make it to Atlanta. But if you remember the week, a couple of weeks before Auburn, Mississippi State, we are tied up deep in the fourth quarter. And they had a good ball club. And Jalen Hurts hit Devontae Smith for the go-ahead touchdown, and we held on to win. So, you know, we've had some close calls and things 
you know, there's a lot of those things. I guess my point is this, is we're mad that we're not 10 and 0. Yeah, we could be 10 and 0, but we need to look at some of these other seasons and say, you know what? Hey, we went 11 and 1, we went 12 and 0, we went whatever, but we easily could have had that extra loss that would have kept us out of the playoff hunt, out of the national title hunt. So, Bama fans, let's be thankful for what we've had under Nick Saban thus far. Amen and amen, but you didn't do 2019. I'd like I'd like for you to run through that one too, sir. Well, 19, we didn't win at all. 20 or 20, I meant. The 2020 wasn't even a contest. <laughs> there were no – the closest game we had was Florida. I looked at that one. The closest game we had was Florida, and that was a six-point game after they scored with what – six seconds left, and even if we lose, we're in the playoffs. So that's that's the only reason 2020 got left out because, I, I mean, the only game that was in doubt was Georgia. We were down at halftime, and then we opened up a can on them in the second half. So, but point no, taken. I, I, knew exact, I knew exactly how it went. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, – and, and you're right. I mean, they, they definitely – have had some some breaks go their way, some luck goes their way, but I I think you'll be hard pressed to find any team out there without that same breaking luck going their way. I particularly in a national championship, there are some rare occasions like the 2020 Bama team, and mm-hmm. and people can jump up and down and say the 2019 LSU team, whatever they they got every break in the world against us. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they they did. I mean, we had them dead to rights there, and without a uh, without a healthy Tua, you know, on the last game or two, we'd we'd probably been in a rematch situation there, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I think that's true of a lot of teams. But your your point is definitely taken, and I, I certainly wouldn't trade anything we've we've done to date. Uh, you know, for for the position we're in now, and 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 frankly, it feels good when you're if you can finish ten and two, and that's your down year, and yeah, and that ten and sure. two 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 losses at, at the at the last second uh, play of the game, and, and one of those to the team that ends up winning the West, and and the other one, which is most likely a playoff team. That's it's hard to hard Debatable. to argue with that. Debatable. Yeah little foreshadowing there <laughs> well let's uh let's we well i guess we can recap now bama Ole miss you know i actually picked us to lose and that was not a jinx situation uh we had done nothing on the road to show that we were prepared to win big on the road or win a win a tough road game and, <clears throat> and like you said you know it was our fifth ranked opponent on the road and they were number 11 just once one spot out of number 10 and they're a good ball club. I mean, they but they have not been a second half ball club, and they got one touchdown in the second half. And if I'm not mistaken, that was when on the third and eighteen when when Dallas Turner went WWE on the quarterback uh, by mistake. I can't believe they called that. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I don't I don't get it either. I just it's barely grazed him. Back in the old days, Tom, when he had the fifteen and five yard variety, that'd been incidental in my opinion. <laughs> <sighs> But you're you're right. You know, we called it the uh, last week that they're not a second half team, and they, and they did the same thing they've done all year. They put up just the one the one touchdown in the second mm-hmm. half, and you can you can attribute that to our defense or or their uh, normal uh, offensive woes in the second half. Maybe 
maybe Lane is not as hot as everybody thinks he is right now. Uh, people have definitely catching on to his offense, it seems like. Because, you know, to be frank with you, they're a good team, but they're a pretty good defensive team, and that's what they've hung their hat on a lot this year. I don't think that they've been throwing up 50 points a game like uh, in years past when Lane was simply, you know, offensive coordinator, or even, you know, a couple years ago with Ole Miss uh, as good as they were. I think Jackson Dart's uh, not a world-beater quarterback. I think he's gotten a lot out of him. Yeah. I think he's good, you know, as far as Kiffin goes, as far as coaching this quarterback up and getting a lot out of him. But that, that guy's not throwing it all over the field like they're usually known for. No, I mean, that's a good point. Like with Jackson Dart, if I just on gut feel, Jackson Dart or uh, Will Rogers from Mississippi State, who you taking? I mean, I think it's close. No, I'm taking Will Rogers, yeah. I, I think I, I like Will Rogers. I mean, Will Rogers has got less weapons around him, I think, than Jackson Dart does. But yet, you know, he 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 produces a lot. Now, it, let's, let's, let's put it this way. You've got – not not necessarily head coaching, but who who's your better offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin or uh, or the Pirate? Definitely two different styles as far as mentality, uh, but it, it's close. You know, it's close. Yeah. Leach has definitely put up some points on teams, and so is Lane. So it's uh, <coughs> it's it's not a it's not the gap that Ole Miss fans probably wishes that it was. You know, based on this name alone. Uh, you know, ooh, we have Lane Kiffin and y'all have Mike Leach. It's not that's not not a chasm there. It's not like Nick Saban and and uh and Brian Harson. <laughs> Rest in peace. But you know, you know I think, what? You, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna talk one thing about the game that's disappointing and 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 kind of and kind of uh, reflect back to when we had better times in this particular position, but. On Saturday, our first three drives netted a total of 22 yards. And I don't want to just sit there and beat on O'Brien, but previous to O'Brien, with Sarkeesian, with Kiffin, and even back before Kiffin, we had... uh, I'm drawing a blank. uh, Well, after Kiffin, we had Brian Dayball, who had a... Who was the twenty seventeen? Oh, that's right. Debo was yeah. sandwiched in there before Kiffin. But, but I, I don't I, remember who it was. Yeah. Point being is we have spent many years priding ourselves on getting off to quick starts. Yeah. You know, there's that one year that we scored a touchdown on almost every opening possession of the year. And a lot of that obviously is scripted. A lot of teams do that, and I don't think we're any different than than most teams. They have a scripted, you know, first one, two, three drives. Our scripted drives are terrible. Yeah, they are. You know, I mean, we we just don't. We punt way more this year than we do stringing together. Even not not even scoring, but just stringing together two or three first downs. Those are coming difficult for us this year, and that's a that's a change that I have not gotten used to this year. And and it, and and that's one of the things that just sticks in the back of your mind that we're not getting the offensive coordinator um, production that we're used to. Yeah, and. That that is, it's it sucks. No two ways about it. And is it is it offensive scheme? Is it lack of um, lack of innovative play calling? Or is it like we've said? We you know we 
We don't have that go-to guy. We don't have a Slade Bolden this year that we know, hey, this guy's going to be open. He's going to be six yards down the field. He can get two more with his backing up. And then we're – instead of a second and ten, we're second and two because we we just – we cannot trust people not to drop the ball or fumble the ball, JoJo Earl. But all in all, I think the what was most encouraging coming out of the game – was the level of play that some of our players showed because let's be honest like we said it has been national title you know or bust for us there's not one bama fan that did not have that normally goes to games there's not one bama fan that did not cancel reservations after the lsu game because they already had the reservations in atlanta i mean that was that was we knew we were going to be in atlanta at the least and then i mean i'll be honest neutron and i already had uh, flights to um, – we're going to fly into Vegas and then bus ride over to L.A. like we did for the desert game in twenty five or 2015. And uh, because, you know, the flight – if you wait till the game's announced, flight prices go crazy. So, you know, we we just felt like we had the team to do it this year, and, and obviously we didn't. So, that said, you know, how many players are going to start looking at the draft position? I mean, Will Anderson is potentially the first player taken. Bryce Young is potentially the first quarterback off the board, which would mean a top five pick for both of them. And, you know, it's a little worrisome. I mean, do you mail it in? Gosh, I hope not because we got Auburn. That's, that, I hope that's an important game to them. It sure is to the fans. But now the bowl game, I, I will not blame any of our seniors if they, or, or draft eligible freshmen – or, sorry, draft eligible juniors – if they don't play in the bowl game. I, it used to make me mad, but I get it. You know, I get it. You, you, it's, it's a pointless game, and you could re, you could lose millions if you got, you know, a career-ending injury. So, but I, I felt that, of course, 47, Byron Young played just outstanding, the defensive lineman. But uh, Jermaine Burton, I was very happy with his play, his level of play. Latou it ended up coming back because of an offensive holding call, but he caught a pass – Right around the line of scrimmage on a on a I don't know if it's first and ten or second ten but it was ten yards to go, he broke a tackle and got the first down and just absolutely crushed a, a safety from Ole Miss in the process. Um, Jace McClellan did well, you know I think Gibbs he got hurt. They kept saying that it was you know ankle. I don't know he wasn't doing anything. I don't know if Saban benched him and went with a hot hand McClellan if it was a little bit of both. But that was what I was most excited about coming out is the players that we had, knowing that the goals they set for themselves at the first of the year were no longer reachable, and they went at it, man. I was very happy with that. Yeah, I, I agree. That was good to see. And and you and you mentioned something that I, I was talking to the guys I was watching the game with this past Saturday. Um, you, you mentioned the lack of creativity or, or whether it's receivers or whatnot. And I'll tell you, I, I I definitely think we lack creativity with this offensive coordinator, and and it's it was never more apparent to me. And when I say creativity, let let me back up and say I'm not talking about when Gus Malzahn runs three offensive linemen <laughs> up there and has two tackles in the wide receiver position and is running reverse passes and laying the ball on the ground and pretending like somebody's you know, got a hurt ankle and trying to catch off guard. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but a prime example, and I think it was second or third and goal for Ole Miss against us on the two or three yard line. And they run a play I'd never seen before. 
They yeah, they yeah. run that wide receiver sprinting back to the line, coming in motion, and about the time he got past the other two wide receivers who were there, which basically ran natural interference for the guy that was running man-to-man with him, he just flipped it to him. The guy took one step forward. He was in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's creative play calling. That looks easy, but that is knowing that a team is in man-to-man. It's knowing that that guy's going to have a hard time following the receiver that's going in motion, and you only need two yards. Those are the types of things that I'm really impressed with for good offensive coordinators, which obviously Kiffin is. And the other thing that I mentioned Saturday, and this is something that I miss, and it reminded me of it when McClellan was running so well. I thought he did a great job, and I was the same way as you. I tend to think that Gibbs definitely was hurt in that game because there were many third-down situations where he would have been helpful, even even if we didn't want to hand him the ball in first and second down because he's definitely not a downhill runner like McClellan is. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I miss about the downhill running game. I miss when we run the pistol. Yeah. The pistol oh, yeah. allowed that running back to be coming downhill towards the hole, even in the fake, uh, you know, even in the run pass option or if he was faking it and not actually getting the ball, whatever. He's running downhill. And when, um, O'Brien took over. We went to a full gun with uh, with the running back to the side, and now when that running back gets the ball, he's standing flat-footed right next to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He can't get a running start yet. And I, I just like that pistol formation from a running game perspective way better than out of the gun. And... I didn't see any drop-off or any improvement quarterback-wise uh, or lack thereof when we run the pistol. I mean, of course, we had Tua running it. That's <laughs> and, and and even uh, Hurts, pretty pretty uh, pretty tough to to put them in bad situations in college. They were dominant, but but I, I do miss that formation, and, and uh, I think that has a lot to do with our power running game woes in the last couple of years. Just just my opinion. Yeah, the pistol, I, re- I remember looking on it uh, when we used to run it a good bit. It put the uh, it puts either the middle linebacker or the, the free safety in peril because the running back is not committed to tight end side, you know, strong side or weak side. So that was one advantage immediately that, that the offense got. But I, you know, I just don't I don't see a lot of pistol anymore. I guess people have kind of figured it out somewhat. But but I'm like you. I like that downhill runner, which we don't really have. I think McClellan could be, but uh, I tell you who could be our downhill runner this year is Judkins from Ole Miss, who played at Pike Road, uh, which is right outside yeah. of Montgomery, and neither Alabama nor Auburn offered him apparently. Which we got Emmanuel Henderson, who's not played yet. And I think he'll be a good back, but. Man, it, it, it sucks when you see a hometown boy uh, doing the, the crimson crane on you when he scores to make it 7 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was still a thing until he broke it out. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that kind of wraps up Ole Miss. Um, you know, we, it was a goal line stand to, uh, to, to end the game. Or not a goal line stand, but, you know, we had to stop them on fourth down and, and we knew with the way the time was going and they had timeouts left that – that it was going to come to that. We are going to get a turnover on downs. They were not going to run out of time. And it just goes back to we could not 
put a touchdown on the board. You know, we're up three with the ball, and if we get a touchdown, it's all it's all but over. You know, we can play prevent. They get a touchdown, that's fine. Would have helped me on the over. Uh, didn't didn't come, but you know they get a touchdown with a minute ten left. They kick on side kick. We recovered. It's the ball game's over. So uh, it just we still had to and sweat it's pretty, it out. Yeah, and it's pretty apparent that Riker was listening to our podcast a few weeks ago, and he has done nothing but try to rub my nose in me telling him <laughs> he's not a pressure kicker because he come through on the road again for the second week in the row. Yeah, man. Uh, so you know, kudos to him again. He's he's kicking well right now. I first half of the season was shaky, but he. It it has not been on his shoulders to lose the last two or three games. He's he's been solid. Yeah, and I I don't think this week will be on his shoulders to lose. We'll go ahead and get into the Bama Austin P. This is of course uh, shit through a ten horn week as Saban dutifully noted it. What I guess that's about ten years ago now. It's been a while since I uh, remember. <laughs> I think it was eleven or twelve when we uh, we needed a. a playing the non-conference game before Auburn, and they just ran all over us. I don't remember what team it was, but they had like 200 yards Georgia rushing. Southern. It was pitiful. But uh, Yeah, it was Georgia Southern, their, their triple option. Yeah, yeah, great, great scheduling there, Saban and whoever else it was. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, it's just one of those – it's one of those games, let's get people healthy, let's don't get Bryce hurt any more than he possibly already is, let's get Gibbs on the mend and whoever else – has the bumps and bruises, and uh, and hopefully get Milrose some action in case he has to go against Auburn a little bit. But I just I'm anxious to see can we carry over the high level of play between like 47-3, uh, Roy Dale Williams number five. I have him down. Uh, you know, let I want to see some play out of these guys and and really carry over into the Iron Bowl and let's close this season out on a, on a positive note. And we'll get a good bowl game. I think right now we're looking at maybe Miami. That's a heck of a bowl trip to not have any pressure on you. You know, we can really the players can enjoy the time down there. And uh, you know, we just gotta we gotta make the best of it. It's not where we wanted to be, but it's where we are, and we we've got to go from there. Yeah, a couple of trivia questions for you here. Can you name the mascot for Austin P? Uh, I hope it's the Golden Hurricane <laughs> or the Golden Shower. I think, and and I, I, I again, I may be completely wrong here too, but I'm I'm coming off the top of my head. I just was thinking about this. I think they're the governors. And do you know where they're from? Now, this one I know a hundred percent. I'm gonna say from. Austin P. Illinois. <laughs> uh, they're actually out of Clarksville, Tennessee. That's where really, my grandparents. Yeah, that's. Where, I'm gonna tell you uh, what I know about about Austin P. In about '87, maybe uh, Alabama had a really good basketball team, and we went to watch them play in the. I guess it was the first two rounds in Birmingham, and so Bama played somebody. I think the game before before Bama was Austin P. versus somebody, and I remember their crowd chanting, "Let's go P." Let's go pee. That's right. Let's go pee. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what they got up there. They put it on all their T-shirts and everything. It's uh, it's their motto. But but yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, there's not a lot to say about this game. I think it's a certainly a get healthy, get prepared for Auburn game if you can stay focused. And focus will be the name of the game. And 
you know, that's going to be hard to do at this point in the season with not a lot to play for. It's hard to go out there and focus on what needs to be done moving forward, particularly for the guys that won't be here in three more games, your Will Andersons, your Bryce Youngs, uh, you know, those those type of players. That you, you know they've got better things ahead of them, and it's, and it's tough for somebody to try to get better in practice I'm talking about practice now. Not a game. Uh, when you got not a game, but practice. Uh, you know, and so so it'll 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 be interesting to see see how that handles. I would love and that's you know, that's another thing that we've we've had a lot less of the last couple of years. Even though we were in the championship game last year, we did not have an over an abundance of games last year where we were able to pull the starters and play a lot of players early in the game. Yeah. In years past, when Tua and Hurts, and even pre-then, we were doing that in two or three SEC games a year. Mm -hmm. And that just hasn't happened in the last couple of years. We've been... We've had starters in there, you know, from from start to finish for the most part in in almost every SEC game we've had. So this will be a a welcome respite. And I've already seen the Twitter uh, handles going crazy about SEC schedule in November. We get it every year. We're used to it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, but that's a good point. And I don't think either one of us has brought it up this year is – you know, that, that is why we were so good. That's why Mechie was so good as a second-year player because as a freshman, he got tons of minutes. He got tons of snaps. You know, Waddle, as a freshman, got tons of snaps because we're so far ahead of everybody. Our second-string offensive line, and we just don't have that luxury anymore to where, you know, we're up um, 35 to 10 beginning the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden your second-team line – you know, they get 25 offensive snaps in the game. Your defensive line, defensive linebackers, uh, your second-team defense overall, they get, you know, 22 to, to 30 snaps a game. And uh, you, you multiply that over, just say, eight games, that's 240 snaps. I bet our true second-team defense, I bet they don't have 100 snaps this year. You know, there's just virtually no way. Big difference. Yep. All right, so that wrapped up game of the week, and I have written a line here, and it says, Tom – snippet because you got something you want to go over this off the cuff we're gonna oh, that's right that's we're gonna right do this organically so, this 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 will be organic for you but i'll put in a little a little thought here and and i'll just go ahead and, and and tell you that you're a pessimist and you you will not be on board with this line of thinking but have you seen those have you seen those memes or whatever it is where it says, you know, the chances uh, of you getting killed by a duck or near zero, but, yeah. but not zero? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the they chances show, of getting killed well, by a duck are low, but never zero. Ex- there you go. There you go. That's, that's it. Currently, currently in the... ESPN FPI metric, Alabama sits at number three. Okay, and that, that means nothing. <coughs> but they, if you look over there, and this is what got me thinking about it, they also list the percentage of, the likely percentage that each team will make the playoff. Now, they break that down even further, you know, 
likely percentage of make the championship game, likely percentage of winning at all, so on and so forth. And Georgia leads that all across the board, Ohio State second and whatnot. <clears throat> Alabama is seventh in percentage to make the playoff, yeah. 16%. All right. So there are two teams ahead of them that we know uh, we know why they're ahead of them. Uh, TCU, Clemson, both ahead of them. Tennessee ahead of them, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. There, there's. I think I, I, I nailed the six here. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. If I think it's pretty likely that Georgia runs the table from here, okay? I mean, their yes. only potential loss is LSU in the championship game, and and that's. I don't think LSU can stay with them on a neutral field. No, I don't either. And Tennessee only has South Carolina this weekend and then uh, Vanderbilt. So they'll they'll be locking in uh, a a one-loss season, it seems like. Ohio State, they have the showdown with Michigan here, uh, here in a couple of weeks. But then whoever wins that game, either Ohio State or Michigan, the uh, the opponent in that Big Ten championship game is going to be a non-worthy one. They'll have it might be Iowa, Tom. It might be Iowa. <laughs> it might be. It might be. So here, so that that leaves the fourth spot in the playoffs in, in my scenario here assuming georgia ohio state and tennessee have no problem com- finishing their seasons without an additional loss okay so so the fourth spot is up for grabs and like we just discussed there are three uh there are uh three people ahead of us in the fpi but there are four teams currently ahead of us in the playoff rankings okay that are vying for that four spot. All right, one of them's LSU. You can you can yeah. kick them out. So Georgia out. takes care of them. They're out. So there are three teams ahead of us in the playoff rankings. One of them is TCU. Okay, TCU's yep. currently undefeated, and they've just been skinning. I can't believe they beat Texas. That was one of the losses, of course, this past weekend. But they they have been getting by by the skin of their teeth, and they're only a three point favorite this weekend over an unranked Baylor, uh, six and four Baylor squad. Yeah. All right. So here's a, here's the first question I have for you: Does a one loss TCU make the playoff if they do not win the Big Twelve? No, 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 not at all. I don't. I don't think a Big 12 team makes the playoff with one loss if they don't win the Big 12. And the only option would be 12-0 TCU losing on Championship Saturday. Uh, that'd be the only way, and I still don't that's know that they cor- that's do. That's correct. Now, would would a one-loss TCU win if they had the Big 12 championship? I think so. I, I think you – I think you have to, even though I don't really agree that they're better than Tennessee, I think you have to put them in over Tennessee because, man, it's going to be screams to high heavens uh, if they right. make it, you know, over. Tennessee over is a, not part of this conversation. What I'm comparing is who gets that four spot, assuming Georgia, Ohio State, and Tennessee have the top three. And, and what I really want to know is 
would you put TCU if your if your choice was one loss TCU non champion or two loss Alabama? It it it, it bears if that's your two choices. It bears discussion. It bears discussion based on we know that we've played five ranked teams on the road and we're three and two. And bottom line is Tennessee beat us on the last play of the game. LSU beat us in overtime, and and in a play where it's not like they got a touchdown and then we fumbled. They went all or nothing on a two-point conversion where if the guy falls down, if the pass slips out of his hand, we're going to Atlanta right now. Like, that's the margin. Rikert's kick against Tennessee is three yards to the left. Yeah. We're in Atlanta. That, that, that is the, that's the margin of error. Right now, well, we wouldn't be in Atlanta because LSU would well, have. Uh, that's right, but we we'd but still we'd, be in the. We'd be in the catbird seat because we'd have one loss in overtime right. to the SEC West champions. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think TCU gets in just because of Bama fatigue, but I don't think they would deserve it. it. I don't either, and that's a big discussion. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. I got more questions here. So so we're we're on the fence with TCU, and TCU very well could end up with two losses if they lose to Baylor this weekend or in their finale. I mean, they're 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 not a lot to be undefeated, but it's it's very reasonable to think that the uh, champion of the Big Twelve will have at least two, maybe three losses. Very reasonable. I'm not. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. not a stretch. Okay. Now, what appears to be happening as well is that the Pac-12 will have a two-loss champion. Does a two-loss Pac-12 champion get in ahead of two-loss Alabama? If it is Oregon, it would be very difficult based on your transitive properties, you know, with Georgia being the ultimate transitive property. <laughs> because it's Georgia beat Tennessee could... by 14, Tennessee beat Bama by three, Tennessee, or, uh, Georgia beat Oregon by 45. So, yeah, it, was, uh, it would, would behoove us for Oregon to be a two-loss champ in the Pac-12. Yeah. And and it very well could be. They I mean, it looks like the the only one that could that can get there with one loss is USC. But they still have to play UCLA. They still have to play uh, Notre Dame, and then they have to win the championship. So yeah. Uh, so it's likely there's a two loss Pac-12 champ. All right. Here's here's a question. Would a one loss North Carolina ACC champ get in over a two-loss Alabama. Yes, and I don't agree with it, but yes, they would. And it would be They're a travesty. currently ranked 14th, I think. You think they would get in? Uh, I don't know. When you put it like that, it would be hard for them to. But they'll, they'll put I mean, a lot of weight to, on that Clemson game. They'd have to come up a lot of a lot of spaces. And Clemson you know, has already been blown out by Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, can can Clemson, you know, and it's pretty easy to say Clemson because of their track record, but Clemson with that loss to Notre Dame, even at a one-loss ACC champ, can would the committee say that their conference championship, which the whole conference will only have two ranked teams, uh, assuming North Carolina can win out, would the conference championship with one loss being a blowout loss, be enough to over a two loss Bama with those those teams. I'm trying yeah, to make be, a I'm trying to make them make a decision here. Yeah, 
I mean, it's not I, a slam like dunk, right? I, I like where your heart's at, but they're not going to let Bama in this year. And it's not necessarily not. just because we have two losses. It's, it's because also, if we, I think if Texas, I think if the Texas game was a twenty-one point win, if the Texas A&M game, which they weren't ranked, uh, but you know, if Texas A&M, if we'd beat them by thirty, and then we beat Ole Miss by twenty-four, I think we'd have a much bigger leg to stand on. Well, I agree. They're going to ding us for the losses, of... and they're going to ding us for the close wins. That they may, they may, and I'm just saying these are discussions. There's one I hadn't mentioned yet that I don't think is much of a discussion. Would a one-loss Michigan team get in over a two-loss Alabama team? Uh, absolutely. With their only loss to Ohio State. Which brings me to which brings me to uh, the question I want to ask you because I like how you have put in. Georgia, Tennessee, and the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game, which we're going to lean uh, Ohio State because they're at home as the three spots. I I find it interesting that we're just going to we're just going to throw Michigan Michigan losing on the road to Ohio State. We're just going to throw them out of the playoffs altogether. What makes what makes them like? Let's just say this, okay? So Tennessee lost by fourteen to Georgia, correct? Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven, thirteen. Well, I mean, let's That's say right. Michigan. Let's say Michigan loses by one point to Ohio State, twenty-one to twenty. How is that not a better loss than Tennessee's fourteen-point loss to to uh, to Georgia? Like, why I'm, does I'm Tennessee automatically? Why does Tennessee automatically get the one-loss non-conference champion bid into the playoffs this year, and Michigan, and Ohio State are not even factored in? No, I'm not. I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they do because I agree with you. I think a one-loss yeah. Michigan team. Uh, with their only loss to Ohio State, gets in pretty easily versus Alabama particularly. And depending on how that loss is, they probably get in over Tennessee. Uh, so, uh, and, and we'll circle back to yours in a second, but I'm, I'm wrapping this thing up because, to me, to make the committee have any decision whatsoever, you've got to get the fly in the ointment, which is Michigan, out of the picture. You have to have Michigan lose a second time to eliminate them from contention. Or or lose uh, big. Lose, you lose 42 to 10, you know, something like that. Even a 42 to 10, do you think Do you think a one-loss Michigan gets in over two-loss Alabama if they lose 42 to 10? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I know they played crap in non-conference, but – they're gonna get in. They're gonna they're gonna look at that one loss versus two losses, and they're gonna put them in. But I, I agree, and that's why I think that Alabama their two percent duck chance comes down to this weekend. I think you have to have Illinois pull off the upset against Michigan. I don't see it. They're eighteen point underdog in this game, uh, but they are ranked. They're the best Illinois team that's been out there in in quite some time. But they're certainly not on Michigan's level. But that's the type of upset you have to have to get Alabama back in it. And Arkansas, if if they'd had KJ Jefferson last weekend, they'd won by fourteen against LSU. Uh, you think they? Uh, would? I mean, I feel like they would have. You know, I do too. Yes, yeah, such a pitiful, pitiful showing. I mean, they come away with no points on first and goal from the ten, <laughs> and and they just had no offense. That quarterback had no offense. They they end up with a third string quarterback by the time the game was over, but. You know that that that's one of the things you were talking about a while ago. The the things that go for you, just not having KJ Jefferson in a game that we're not in 
is the butterfly effect that went against us this year. Yeah. Um, because if LSU loses that game, we at least have a prayer in week 13. But I get, I, I tell you what, if LSU would have lost that game uh, Saturday where it come down to A&M and LSU in week 13, Jimbo Fisher would have benched every starter he had in the game. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah, he'd say we're they all got the flu. We're resting for the bowl game, and I'm playing. He all did it last year. He coveted out yeah. the bowl game last year. That's but you know exactly right. I, I like the scenarios that you talked about, but I think I, I, the scenario I'm really anxious to see is this: Georgia undefeated knocks LSU off. They're in the playoffs. Ohio State beats Michigan by three points, and Ohio State wins a Big Ten. They're in the playoffs. TCU goes undefeated, they're in the playoffs. The number four spot is between, and let's just say the Pac-12 champ and the ACC champ both have two losses. And the 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 deciding team is going to be Michigan, a three-point loss to uh, at Ohio State or Tennessee, a 14-point loss at Georgia. I'm anxious to see that. I, I, know, I, I know where I'm leaning, and it's not Rocky Top, buddy. Yeah, I think you have to have Michigan play well on the road because it's hard to win on the road. And if you're competitive on the road, it shows you how good of a team you are, honestly. Uh, Tennessee was not competitive in the Georgia game. No, uh, no. For, but, like, but like you've already mentioned. Heupel knew what he was doing. He got that late touchdown, and I tell you what, 27-13 looks a hell of a lot better, better than 27-6. to It does, it does. And and it just depends on how deeply they dive into those games. But, but I agree with you, that would be an interesting – scenario but I, I i'm i'm with you i'd lean michigan yeah all right well let's recap our bets it was nothing to write home about i said vegas was giving away money they tried to give away money but uh lsu just wouldn't take it i i went one oh and one i had auburn uh that was an easy winner and then i had lsu minus three that was a push and i had you at one and one is that correct that's correct my game of the year the one i waited on all year was an easy winner though easy winner I can't believe uh, I can't believe they even got close to the number in that Iowa Wisconsin game. Easily went under thirty six, but still, it should have been even worse than that. I think. Yeah, and then you had Texas with a loser. So, what's your game one this week? Uh, game one this week, I have Illinois on the money line. Nice money line bet over Michigan. <laughs> That's a little wishful thinking. I've got Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky that just lost to Vandy at home. I've got them plus 22.5 over Georgia. That line should be bigger based on the two teams. I think Georgia, I think the light at the end of the tunnel is getting close. Georgia's wrapped up the east. It's time to maybe relax and and rest some starters a little bit more than you would. So I'm going to say Kentucky backdoors it probably somewhere, you know, 42 to 42-21. Going to be very close, but I think Kentucky slips under the number. Not a bad pick, and you raise a good point there. They uh, Georgia has to feel good that even if they lost this the game, they could uh, go to Atlanta, beat LSU, and still be in the playoffs. So, yeah. not that I think they're in any danger of losing this game. I'll take uh, Baylor minus three over number four TCU this week. Uh, I say Baylor minus three. I think Baylor's catching three. I don't know. It's one uh, of the two. I'll look it up and see, uh, you know, before yeah, I post it on I th- Twitter. I, I actually, I think they're catching three, but it's still a, a very close line for an unranked six and four team against the number four team undefeated in the country. I mean, and again, I've, I've harped this 
already for several times. TCU just keeps sliding by, sliding by, sliding by. I don't think they can continuously do it. They proved me wrong 10 times in a row. We'll go for 11. <laughs> My last game is James Madison, eight and a half over Georgia State. Tom, this team has been playing good football all year. I'm going to try, finally try to roll with them. James Madison, eight and a half. So, Illinois, money line, Kentucky plus 22 and a half, Baylor plus or minus three, we're not sure. And then James Madison minus eight and a half for the easy winner. $100, $100 pays you a thousand, so go ahead and put that in when you book. Um, let's roll into CFP, then get out of here. I've got Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, TCU four, and then rounding up five and six, I've got Tennessee and Clemson. I have Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, Tennessee 4, TCU 5, Alabama 6. Uh, I don't think Clemson you you've got Clemson got blown out uh 34 to 7 by Notre Dame and you you've got them ahead of us by virtue of the one more loss. What do you think that we'd be undefeated with Clemson's schedule? Uh, yes, I, I think I do. Notre Dame would have been tough on the road. They, Notre Dame's playing better than I really normally give them credit for. And and I'll tell you what That's Clemson fine. does. I'll, I'll sit Tom. here and let you re-rank your six then. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you why I put Clemson in is because is the same reason you've got TCU at five. Because they've, they've won. And Clemson just keeps on winning. And they've not been flashy. Some of the games have been in question. I think one went to overtime. They didn't look good against Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but, man, they just keep on winning, and they're going to be on championship weekend playing in Charlotte. And if they win, that's a team that we just totally dismissed in the little scenario earlier. A 12-1 Clemson, yeah, the Notre Dame loss is not good, but Notre Dame's going to have a winning record. If they can beat USC the last game of the year, they'll be ranked 15, 14, something like that. So, uh uh, you know, Clemson's going to have I, – I, that's a, a good question there. Clemson, 12-1 uh, Clemson champion of the ACC, are they in over a one-loss Tennessee or a one-loss Michigan? That's something the committee might have to answer. Yep, for sure. I'm so. hoping they'll all have chaos and carnage the last two weeks and we won't have to worry about it. Maybe you're right. Well, as always, Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. We're one week away from Iron Bowl, baby. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Go Alina. Take it easy, guys.